Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I am joined here by my co-host, Jaron. What is up, guys? So today, we are going to be getting into the Tim McMahon quote that came out regarding Luka Doncic and just how bought in he is to helping or aiding and recruiting players or if he wants to, um, you know, be a focal point in terms of helping or facilitating moves within the mass front office or if he's more just a sideline guy in that aspect and we're also going to be comparing the Mavs offseason and grading it compared to other teams offseasons in the west and how the Mavs uh we may talk a little bit of how the Mavs stack up against some of those teams but with that being said you guys can hear a good old sponsor from our good friends at anchor all right Jaron so starting off Alex Caruso made some comments on Old Man the Three, the podcast that J.J. Redick and Tommy Alter host together regarding um, the Dallas Mavericks. Just really quickly, don't want to read too much into this, given that, you know, I feel like some MFFLs are taking this as, oh, we're getting Alex Caruso. But Alex Caruso came out and said on the Old Man the Three podcast that the Mavericks, in his opinion at least, are still going to be contenders regardless of losing Jalen Brunson. What are your thoughts on this? He's their quote-unquote sleeper pick. Now, what I have to say about that, it is confirmed the Mavericks are the 2023 NBA champions. Confirmed. Oh, definitely. Um, no, but for real, like, I don't know. I think just it's cool because from a player perspective, like in the NBA, I feel like a lot of guys, you know, necessarily don't pay attention to what is happening. Um, with the Mavericks. And with even Yeah, just with the Mavericks in yeah. particular. But, you know, he knows – he even included, he's like, even with Jalen Brunson leaving, I still feel like that's a sleeper pick. That's a dark horse pick to win the NBA championship. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I guess just realizing that he knows, like, yes, the team took a, sit, a step back in that sense, but also took a step forward and what kind of moves they made. Like, he, he knows from a basketball mind perspective that, like, the, the team's still really good. Yeah, so, you know, even if the Mavericks, you know, aren't as good as they are last year for, you know, just to hear like other players giving them recognition throughout the league, you know, gives me hope that we can attract and lure like other players to come play with Luca at some point. And like that, we're not just totally dead because, you know, Luca's an international player and he doesn't have the relations with guys in the States, things of that nature. Yeah. Just guys around the league being able to recognize that the Mavericks aren't just some, you know, washed god forbidden franchise which you know we do at times treat them like that we see it year in and year out but yes are we (laughs) but uh that that was that was cool do i actually think like alex crusoe is gonna get traded from the bulls like no like he's in my opinion way too valuable of an asset to them even though they are tight at guard like there's not he's he's, he'd be the last him and lonzo would be the last the last guy they i mean his defense is just gonna and his, you know, just versatility on offense to, like, come off the bench and do stuff is just unmatched. You know, like like we said, like, if anything, I could see Kobe White getting swung somewhere. But, yeah, uh, I don't give really, like, too much credence to those comments, but it was cool to see a player say that, even if, you know, like you and I and many other Mavs fans don't necessarily believe that the Mavericks are contenders at the moment. Uh, so, okay, next getting into 
um, the Tim McMahon comment made. I don't know if this was on the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst or if it was a tweet or what, but saw somewhere on Twitter that um, Tim McMahon kind of said that Luka Doncic is um, not necessarily going to be – he's not necessarily – inclined to be involved within the Mavericks moves, but the Mavericks would welcome his input and they do value it, which is at least good to hear. Yeah. But that Luca isn't like necessarily like goal driven to, you know, go and recruit stars at the moment. What are your thoughts on that? No. Yeah. I mean, it like at the end of the, at the end of the day, like we have to realize like Luca's in his off season. Yes, he's working out. Yes, he's playing at basketball as much as he can. But I think ba- I think Luca separates basketball and home life, like back home. And that's not even vacation to him. Uh, like he just separates it. Uh, you know, we've seen it the last few off seasons, especially. Um, like it's still cool that you know he at least has somewhat of a voice. It sounds like uh, we know. I think it was a few weeks ago that it was kind of said that like he was going to have a major part in what the Mavericks could be looking at in the off season uh, with some of the guys that they signed um, or possibly could sign. Uh, And yeah, like just from that perspective, like I think it's something that kind of figured, I guess, like Luca's not necessarily a guy that he's not head over heels. Like he's going to be, I don't even know the LeBron James of the league, like he's not going to control the Mavs in that sense. Like, I think he knows that there's a front office for it and he's going to leave it up to the basketball. No. Yeah. Which I I do like, like, you know, I do value player input to a great extent in the NBA, but at the same time, like, you know, there is a GM for a reason. And, you know, I do, you know, one could argue that LeBron's input has gone too far in a lot of scenarios and cost his team to some points. So, you know, as a star player, you kind of have to take it. What the Mavs fans are concerned about is that Luca's not putting enough pressure on the front office to do something. And it could just be his inevitable lead because, you know, he's just letting things happen if he doesn't like what he likes and he leaves. Which, I mean, I respect that from a personal perspective from where he's coming from. But it would be nice to see him have, um, I guess, to, you know, be able to recruit and have ties with some of these guys and, be able to um, be able, you know, to project stars over to the Mavs at some point, but I don't know. It's just kind of a weird situation. It, it, from what I can tell is the Mavs do value Luca's input, but it just doesn't seem like he has much of a desire to give any input. So, you know, is this something that, you know, at the same time, also Luca's still very young, you know, he may not really has have a care, you know, as like fans yeah. to dive into the business side of this stuff. You know, he may just want to play basketball and let whatever happens happens. But you know, like I, I think, I think here's a good example of that. Like what you're kind of saying is like James Harden. Like that's a guy. I think he kind of just, you know, whenever the off season came around, it was his party time. He was gonna set basketball aside, not think about it for a while. Like yes, he had his moments where you know he cared. Uh, but now we're seeing it just now. Like, I think he realizes that like his time is coming near. So he's trying to do the best to win. And I wonder if that's going to be a Luca case where like the older he gets, the more 
I guess he realizes how important it is. No, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I will say, like, you know, I think Luca is definitely like actually putting in some decent work this summer thus far. From what yeah, yeah, I agree. Content I've seen, you know, he seems like he's in a little better shape, which is exciting. And get into that in some later pods. Um, and also just the fact that, you know, he finally has a full off season, you know, barring the FIBA stuff, you know, he had the world qualifiers, but I don't think he has to play another um, again until like, I want to say it's like August or September. So, you know, he has a little time off, but it seems like he's training. He's uh, training really hard and really rigor- rigorously. So that's always good to see, you know, I, I'm, is this the off season? He comes in like elite shape, who knows, you know, I'm still think kind of waiting for the, offseason he just comes in looking like an absolute unit you know he definitely has slimmed down a little bit i don't know if i'd necessarily say that he's like absolutely <laughs> but he he definitely has cut some weight that's very noticeable yeah. the photos it's just good to see he's working hard and that you know he's really putting basketball on a pedestal um in terms of like his main priorities which i mean i'm not not to say i you know he's one of the best players in the world like obviously basketball is his main priority in life but you know just even in his downtime, making it the number one priority and everything is, you know, really important for him and this franchise going forward. But, you know, I still feel like there's levels to it. Like, I still feel like there's levels to, like, he could reach in terms of it. You know, he can only – he can take himself as far as he wants. So, it's going to be really interesting to see go forward. But I am liking what I'm seeing out of Luca this offseason thus far. I think it's a great step in the right direction in terms of, um, you know – being able to train and seems like he's working hard and stuff, but, you know, to his credit, he, in past off seasons, he has had a lot of Olympic stuff and he's really hasn't had a break at all. So it's yeah. what we're seeing so far, but, you know, hopefully at some point Luca does inflict his opinion, at least a little bit in the organization, just enough to put pressure on the Mavs to do something because, you know, we all feel at times that the Mavs feel satisfied with the things they've done when they necessarily shouldn't be. So in that case, I'd definitely like for Luca to put pressure on the Mavericks, but which to add to that, like I think this is the first year we've seen that. Um, just with like his comments and that little, I think it was like a Jordan event. Oh, like, at the play fifty four. Yeah, like in France, yes. Yeah, like we've seen comments here and there, but I don't think he's put, you know, like yeah, in there. I guess just going to the. I mean, I don't even know how to say it, but like yeah. this is the first time that we've seen, I guess, real comments from Luca right and understanding like just you know given Luca's personality he's never going to be like a LeBron type that comes in and tries to control the roster moves and is like you know he's gonna let the people in place do their job but just seeing him get a little more involved would definitely be something I'd be interested to see looking forward but doesn't seem like he's doing that quite at the moment so next we're going to be getting into the main segment of the podcast we are going to be comparing the Mavericks off-seasons to other off-seasons of teams in the Western Conference. So, as of right now, Jaron, um, if you decide to give, like, a letter grade to the Mavericks off-season, um, just off the top of your head, um, what would you give it? Uh, so, I guess this is in the world of minuses and pluses and just letters. And so, I would go – I would also, go – what? I was just going to say, this is also prefacing that – the Mavericks offseason may not necessarily be done yet. I, exactly. Know. Yeah. What is it? I think it's July 19th. Right. Um, still Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant have still not been treated. So 
Exactly. Like, there's still moves to be made. I believe so. Yeah. At least um, but, yeah, like, I think, personally, I would give them in that B-minus to B range. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, like, your main priority was to retain Jalen Brunson, and that clearly didn't happen, and that kind of ended in a little disaster way. Um, so just in that sense, I think it drops us off. But, like, I like the moves that we made. Like, everybody, I think, kind of puts it past us that we – like, we got two centers that are better than the centers that were giving us starting minutes. Right. Like, we got JaVel McGee and Christian. I guess there's an argument that Maxi is more valuable than McGee. Well, yeah. But, like, you know, collectively, they're both definitely better than Dwight Powell and are going to help. Like, they they help in different ways for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, we've added – I think – the one thing that it got exposed last year in the playoffs, if there was one thing that was a for sure need, it was the center position and especially depth. And we went out day one of pretty much our off season and acquired Christian Wood and, and free agency acquired a pretty good shot blocker in Javel McGee. Mm-hmm. No, I completely concur with that. Um I would, yeah, personally give the Mavericks about a C-plus to the B-minus range just from the standpoint that they did make some moves that helped bolster themselves. If they had just lost Brunson straight up and, like, had done nothing up to this point, I would definitely give them, like, an F. But <laughs> just the fact that they did some things, you know, still warrants them, I guess, slightly above a passing grade, but definitely not, like, some huge positive. Yeah. Um, now, I, I still think that there's moves to be made. This roster, I don't think, is complete. Clearly, it's not because there's still one roster spot to be had. Um, I mean, they could leave it open if they don't want to pay more in the luxury tax. Well, at that point, like, I feel like it's just might as well send it home. So, Um, (laughs) but, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I, yes, we've made moves to get us better, but we've also made a huge move step or, like, a huge step back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so, I don't know. Like, there's balances to it. Have we – like, I think in terms of regular season, does this team win more games I than last year? I believe that they win more than 52 games next year. That I really? I, I, I confidently think that, yeah. Um, now, in terms of playoffs – West have got – What? Uh, yeah, I guess the West has gotten a lot better. Like, I guess we'll dive more into that later. But You're confident um, the Mavericks are going to win more games than they did last year, even after losing Jalen Brunson? I like think let me let me take that back because I forgot that the West has gotten a lot better. Yeah, uh, I think that they'll win more than forty nine games. Okay, like so I think they'll hit the fifty game mark. I think that they'll yeah I think they'll fit, hit the fifty game mark. Like we won fifty two last year. Is this I, I you expecting the Mavericks to make another move, or is this are you like kind of like penciling in that they would do something else via trade, or is this with you projecting with the current roster? Because with the current roster right now, I don't I don't think I'd be comfortable saying that. This is this is making like a just even like a mid tier trade like a Kobe White kind of trade okay. a guy that gives you like bench production this, like like assuming we have a complete bench like a I guess a secondary play uh like a secondary playmaker yeah I think that we can win over fifty games yeah um you know I think the wild card here is just Christian Wood and his production like how much is that I feel like that he raises the ceiling of the Mavericks. A great deal because I feel like he's just kind of like a bonus in a sense. Like 
the Mavericks, you know, they they handled the rim protection question to an extent with JaVale McGee. But like Christian Wood just kind of steroided out Dwight Powell who could shoot. So, you know, he wasn't necessarily the center that fit the best, I guess, going if you were like talking about centers that I was like looking forward to getting in the offseason in terms of fit wise, I wouldn't like say Christian Wood, but like, you know, he's a really dynamic big and you know he can fit anywhere in a sense it's just like yeah ever yeah. he gets and how or rather however he plays is like dependent on the ceiling in my opinion i just feel like he's a big wild card it's just gonna really like wherever his game takes the mavericks i feel like is as good as they'll be like if you know if he's the definite second best player on the team if that's like something that actually ends up coming to fruition then yes like i'd be confident in that statement but it's just gonna be dependent on how he plays within the Maverick system, in my opinion. Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I guess, like, I think every team, like, I guess reverting back to the teams, I think, so the three teams in front of us, the Suns, Grizzlies, and Warriors, I maybe, maybe the Suns, maybe the Grizzlies are the team to drop out of that top three. Like, and then who moves into that top three? You got Denver, kind of Timberwolves. I think the Pelicans, the Clippers for sure. I think the Pelicans can make a run at it. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know. Like, just from a team standpoint, like, it's just so – it's such an awkward place to put us because, like, I think us as Mavericks fans, like, we expect a lot. And, yes, like, understandably so. Um, but, like, th- I think that there's still a move to be made. and that's really going to determine where we are but this is like we said like we're making a pre pre next move or pre-trade i don't know what you want to call it right Uh, assumption i guess you like really at the end of the day that's what it is um but yeah like i don't know there's a lot of points that are going to be this season like is spencer dinwiddie going to take the role uh, is Christian Wood that consistent in a starting role as he was at the end of the season? That's yeah, like team. yeah, that's a huge question mark in my opinion. I think, mm-hmm. like, I think we can make a whole pot on this. Yeah, like, I think that that's probably the biggest question mark in my opinion. This off season is how big of a production is Spencer Dinwiddie going to give yeah. you? Like, he's asked a lot right now. I think a great way to kind of gauge how the Mavericks could do this season is. I feel like Spencer Dinwiddie is the floor setter for the Mavericks because his playmaking and his shot creation is paramount to the Mavericks' success because as of right now, they don't have anybody else who can do that outside of Luka. And if he doesn't produce, that dramatically decreases the Mavericks' floor, in my opinion, because at that point, it's just Luka is the only ball handler on the team for the most part. No, I actually like that point. Yeah, Yeah. you made a good point. I feel like Christian Wood is the Mavericks' ceiling raiser. Uh, Because, you know, whatever you get out of him is going to be what takes the Mavericks to the next step, in my opinion, because, you know, he's kind of just a bonus because just with the way, you know, his play style, his versatility, like if Christian Wood, you know, all of a sudden blossoms into an all-star big man all of a sudden, um, you know, that just kind of unexpected. Like as of right now, we think he's coming off the bench, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, if he – takes that step and flourishes within 
his role within the Mavericks really buys in on defense more than we expect. I feel like that raises the Mavericks ceiling. I think Dinwiddie raises the floor. Like Dinwiddie has to be at a certain, I feel like Dinwiddie has to be at a certain level of play this year for the Mavericks to make noise. If Dinwiddie is coming out the gates, you know, throwing up four for 16 games, going 0 for 5 on threes, you know, I, I think that that could def, I feel like that could definitely make, take, make the Mavericks take a toll in the standings in the first part of the season if that happens. Yeah. And again, like another reason why I like that point that you said is because I think the guy that fizzled out the most in the playoffs that we expected pretty big numbers was Spencer Dinwiddie and nine times out of 10, he was bailed out by Jalen Brunson. Uh, I think later in the playoffs, of course, they, them both kind of fizzled out and they kind of came back. He he will, I will say Spencer, the one thing I'm encouraged about that I think is going to really bode well is the fact that he didn't completely lay an egg in the playoffs. There were a lot of games where, you know, he was a no show in the sense that his shot wasn't there. I mean, he just, wasn't being assertive enough, but he did have a lot of games where he actually did come through. It's just the consistency. So if he can bring that throughout an 82 game season starting, it was, is really my question. No, I, yeah, I agree. It, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of question marks this on this roster as it's built right now. Um, But yeah, I mean, yeah, just with like, it's, it's gotta be consistency for me. Like, yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie just has to be consistent, whether it's like we can work with consistency. That's the thing. Like the Mavericks, you know, if he if he wants to give Tim Hardaway S numbers where he's dropping 30 and then dropping three the next night, like exactly like it's just you it's got to be some sort of consistency. Like we can work with that at least. Right. I don't know. There's going to be it's going to be an interesting I mean, for me, season. it's like an assertiveness thing. Like, you know, is Dinwiddie going to shoot as good as he had at the end of the season from three last year? Probably not. But, you know, can he just have a baseline of, you know, being that facilitator that he was at times in Brooklyn, you know, on a consistent basis? And, you know, at least like, you know, just not laying too many like goose eggs of games, you know, for every 30-point game that he has, not having a zero-point game or, I'd be, you know, just stringing more of those 15-point games, six-assist games typed together. You know, I'd rather him do that for five games straight than go up and down scoring 31 and then zero, and then like five points the next game, like you said. Yeah, exactly. So I completely yeah. agree. Like, that's going to – that's where the floor raising comes into play. So, I guess we'll go ahead and compare some other teams in the West here. Um, I have Unreal GM, all these things pulled up here. So um, – Starting off with the New Orleans Pelicans, they did not really do much this offseason. Um, outside of drafting Dyson Daniels, eighth overall. Um, do you have – where do you think that – do you think that they had a better offseason than the Mavericks just in the fact that they maybe, like, got back Zion and what they did over the trade deadline um, last off – I mean – last trade deadline do you I don't say the Mavericks had a better offseason than them yeah like I think the Mavericks I think the Mavericks had a better offseason than them and the sense that we filled in our needs or not not even filled in our needs like we filled in a huge need uh the thing about the Pelicans though is like 
they didn't add much. Like, I don't know how much Dyson Daniels is going to play. Like, he's a really good player, don't get me wrong. But this team is young, and yeah. having that playoff experience uh, going six games with the Suns, like, we see the Adding Zion. In, at, yeah, adding Zion. Like, because, you know, they swung that big trade where they got CJ McCollum, Larry Nance, and what have you. It's just like, how is that all going to pan out for them? I do agree. Like, that's not to say that they're not going to be, like, they could very well be better than the Mavericks next year. But maybe like just offseason wise, the Mavericks. Like even really, like really one of the points why I say the Mavericks had a better offs or have had a better offseason thus far is because like it's gonna be a battle between those two teams. I feel like they're gonna be fighting for a spot late mm-hmm. into the season. Uh the current looks of it at least. Uh, but I, I just think that the Mavericks etch him out a little bit um like we don't know how zion's gonna come back he hasn't played a game in however long like i'm not saying he's not gonna come back and drop a doozy like that guy he's gonna have an immediate impact um but yeah like the it just kind of like those are two teams that are i think similar in where they're gonna be in the standings yes no i i agree Okay, so next we're going to be into the Denver Nuggets. Did the Mavericks have a better offseason than the Nuggets? The Nuggets actually made some quiet moves this offseason. They signed Bryn Forbes this offseason. They uh, – or no, no, no. Bryn Forbes left. No, I completely botched that. Bryn Forbes left them, actually. <laughs> um, they, they let go of a lot of guys. Um, but they traded Monty Morris, Jamichael Green, um, and Will Barton, but in the uh, Monty Morris and Will Barton trade, they netted Contavious Caldwell-Pope and um, Ish Smith, and they also signed DeAndre Jordan and Bruce Brown Jr., and they drafted Christian Braun 21st overall out of Kansas, um, just some of the notable moves they made this offseason. Do you think the Nuggets made moves around the fringes that bode well for them. And do you think that they had a better offseason than the Mavericks? Uh, per, I think that they had a way better offseason than the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. All they needed to do was sharpen their sword. I feel like they did that. Um, yeah. They they got the pieces on the bench that they needed to make a deep playoff run. Yes. To yeah, like have depth in the sense of, you know, if a guy goes down, like you have that guy there and you can be confident right. with that. Like Bruce Brown coming off the bench is huge. No, yeah. My, my biggest takeaway is that they added some sort of defensive identity because Monty Morris and, you know, Jermichael Green, Will Barton, all really solid players, but all of those guys are like way more offensively inclined. Um, when you add Contavious Caldwell Pope, who can really a three D player, who can still, he still has a little bit of an offensive skill set to him. And you're adding a guy in Bruce Brown. Um, you know, I feel like their thing was like, well, you know, we already have a ton of offense between Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic, Aaron Gordon, like, and we got a couple guys off the bench, Bones Highlands looking promising. Like, you know, I think they said to themselves, like, we can afford to lose Monty Morris and add him for defense. And, you know, in that sense, the way that they just kind of retooled, adding two really good plus defenders, getting Christian Braun in the draft and, um, you know, and they kind of filled the void of, you know, guard depth by adding an Ish Smith, who's a serviceable backup point guard. 
Like, I really like what Denver did, you know, given the Mavericks lost Brunson, I would definitely say that they had a better offseason than the Mavericks so far. Yeah, like, they they put the markings there to have a deep playoff run. That's what they did. No, I agree. I'm really interested to see how they fare um, next year, especially with Jamal Murray coming back. All right, now with the Golden State Warriors, um, they lost a couple of their guys. Um, they didn't really, you know, they weren't able to pay everybody. They re-signed Kevon Looney, which was a big thing for them. Um, he's a very switch, you know, very switchable center. You know, he seems like he's the cog that kind of – he's like just kind of the perfect center in their switch-heavy defense that – they uh they run. They drafted Patrick Baldwin Jr. They signed Dante DiVincenzo to kind of fill the void with some of these other guys because they were just they were going to be really hard pressed to pay all their wings. Um, so guys that they've lost so far, and I think I read somewhere Nemanja Bjelica was going back to Europe, but don't quote me on that. I I believe I think that's true. Yeah, um, Damian Lee signed with the Suns. Gary Payton Jr. signed with the Trailblazers. Otto Porter Jr. signed with the Raptors. Juan Toscano Anderson signed with the Lakers. So they lose quite a bit of wings there. Um, you know, they do gain Dante DiVincenzo, who's a, you know, promising athletic sort of 3 and D guy. Um, you know, and they draft Patrick Baldwin Jr. And they re-signed Kevon Looney. But um, overall, do you think that the Warriors – had a better offseason than the Mavericks. So I think I think the Mavericks had a better offseason than the Warriors. I think the Warriors are still a better team. I agree. Now, they may have taken a step back, I feel like, but how much is a step back whenever you have Seth Curry and Clay Thompson and Not to mention James Wiseman's going to be healthy. And James like they have rookies, that's the thing. Right. Kaminga, Moody, uh yeah. James Wiseman. These back. guys are only going to get better. I mean, Moody's was in his first year last year. Kaminga was in his first year last year. Like, these guys are only going to continue to develop. Yeah, so, like you – know, That kind of, like, brings the argument, oh, like, could they afford to lose a Gary Payton? And and they still add Dante DiVincenzo. So, I think just if you're looking strictly from the standpoint of who had a better offseason, I'd probably go with the Mavericks just because the Warriors, you know, lost some of their key wings and didn't really add much. But I definitely agree that they're still, like, not, not some sort of – dog to be messed with yeah yeah i agree like there's an argument to be made that they got better and they got worse like i think you know like yes gary payton's like identity is kind of you know that that rugged you know he's gonna get out of like he's just that kind of player uh but now getting not even getting rid of him just letting him walk like that kind of clears way for uh, Moody and Kaminga getting more minutes. No, exactly. Uh, and Moody, Moody, I'm really intrigued with, but just the minutes that he gave in the playoffs, like I'm really intrigued by Moody. Me too. All right. So next uh, we're going to be looking at the Rockets. Obviously we don't think the Rockets will be near as good as the Mavericks next year, but the, obviously the Rockets did the Christian Wood trade with the Mavericks. So there's already that. Um, they lost John Wall to the Clippers. Um, sort of a promising guy that they had in their roster traveling queen signed with the Sixers he's a little uh, under talked about guy 
but they obviously added Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, Marquise Chris, and Bill Bond. Half the Mavericks roster. Yes, half the Mavericks roster. Um, but they added Tari Eason, Jabari Smith, and Ty Ty Washington Jr. through the draft, and they re-signed Jay Sean Tate. Do you think just from a strict off-season perspective, the Rockets have had a better off-season than the Mavericks? I I think so. Yeah, um, yeah. just with the guys but, that got in the first round. I mean, they got two really good. I mean, Tari Eason was a – Tari Eason played amazing uh, yeah. in the summer league. Like, I – I think that team got better uh, and had a way better offseason than the Mavericks. They cleared ways uh, with uh, Christian Wood, and that now leaves way for, like, Alperin Sengun to actually play, like, good minutes. So just in that sense, too, like, that team now, not saying that they're I, – I still think that they're probably the worst, if not second-worst team uh, in the West, but that's a team that has a future now. Uh, not just like some weird, you know, they have a future, but it's just kind of like there's some, uh, just some pieces that need to fall into place. Like they, the pieces have fallen into place. Uh, like they, they look promising. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I definitely agree with you on um, your assessment in terms of the, um, the Rockets technically having a better offseason than the Mavericks, but the Mavericks um, still obviously being a way better team. Uh, yeah. So next, uh, let's go ahead and get into the Clippers. The Clippers lost Hartenstein. He went to the Knicks. Um, they added John Wall, Moses Brown, and then besides that, they just re-signed Batum. Um, they extended Amir Coffey, Robert Covington, and Zubach. Um, do you think that they had a better offseason than the Mavericks? Uh, I think so. I think adding John Wall kind of created yeah just an, a different playing aspect. They, needed uh, guard. they addressed it. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of have Paul George coming back fully healthy. Like, he already was fully healthy, but he's and obviously Kawhi, like, you know. And, yeah, obviously, yeah, Kawhi. And now you have, like, a million wings. Like, yeah, I, I like that team. That team, I think, may have improved the most. Uh, just just in terms from the standpoint of, getting, of, yeah, like getting guys back from injury. Yeah. And – being able to just re-sign all these wings, like Steve Ballmer just has infinite money to dip into whatever he wants to in the luxury tax, which I'm inherently jealous about as a Mavericks fan. But yeah, I was like, we wish we could have. Yeah, it is what it is, and all this could change. All this could change, by the way. Um, as I'm coming up with the next team is the Lakers, for instance. Like, you know, the offseason's not over, so we're just grading this as of right now. So the Los Angeles Lakers. They, um, in terms of guys that have like signed outright that they've lost, they lost Malik Monk. He signed with the Kings. He was actually one of their better players last year. They've signed Troy Brown Jr., Thomas Bryant. They drafted Max Christie. They signed Damian Jones. Um, obviously they signed Juan Toscano Anderson. They signed Lonnie Walker. So far, do you think they've had a better offseason than the Mavericks? I like really, I don't think so. Um, I think the Mavericks have had a better offseason. The Mavericks addressed more needs, and I think the Lakers just do what they have done the last few years and just addressed, just got the best players they possibly could. Yeah, with their um, guys taking discounts. I mean, I will say Lonnie Walker is a bargain at that price, in my opinion, and I don't hate Troy Brown Jr. or Thomas Bryant. I think they can be contributing role players on a team. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they lost Malik Monk. And, I mean, I just don't any, know if really any of those guys can move the needle more than, like, a Christian Wood or a JaVale McGee, I guess. Exactly, yeah. 
All right, next on to the Memphis Grizzlies. They lost Kyle Anderson. He signed with the Timberwolves. Um, not funny enough, they actually um, – Tyrell Terry was on their team at one point on a two-way, and he's now a free agent. I did not know that. Um, the Grizzlies, they traded for Danny Green and moved back in the draft, and um, they got Jake LaRavia. They got everybody's favorite. Uh, Kenny Lawson Jr. via being undrafted. I don't know if he's going to be a two-way or an Exhibit 10 guy, but we'll see. They drafted David Roddy, number uh, pick 23, when they took back that pick from the Sixers. Um, and they re-signed Tyus Jones, John Concher, and uh, gave John Moran a huge contract extension. Do you think they had a better offseason than the Mavericks thus far? This is a team I believe took a huge step back. Really? Uh, like, I, I think so. Um I mean, like losing Kyle Anderson, I think is pretty huge in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they re-signed the guys they needed to re-sign and extended John Moran, of course. So from that standpoint, like they retained a lot. I just don't think – I think this is an offseason yeah. that could have gotten better, and I don't think that they did. Yeah, for, for me, I feel like Memphis is just continuing to like – they're making like these like sort of like moves that – look like they're taking a step back, but it ends up not actually taking a step back. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, there's no – like, you know, they they should be in win-now mode, but, you know, they did re-sign, you know, Tyus Jones and John Concher. But, you know, it just seems, like, unnecessary for them to have lost Kyle Anderson. Um, I don't know if they just didn't want to offer him the amount of money he wanted or – when obviously they lost Anthony Melton in the um, trade with the Sixers. Yeah, the Danny Green trade. So, I mean, honestly, I think they – I mean, they did add two first-round picks, so depending on how Jake LaRavia and David Roddy pan out, I don't know. I'd say the Mavericks had a slightly better offseason because Memphis just kind of retooled in a weird way, but I don't know if they made any moves that necessarily put them above um, the Mavericks. All right, here's here's the one everybody's been waiting for. We have the Minnesota Timberwolves. They lost Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Leandro Balmaro, um, Josh signed with the Suns, and they obviously lost Jared Van, uh, Vanderbilt, and a lot of those guys, they obviously lost in trades. Um, they signed Kyle Anderson. They signed Bryn Forbes. Um, they drafted Wendell Moore, who I really like, and they got Rudy Gobert, and they re-signed Torian Prince and extended Carl Anthony Towns. Do you think they had a better offseason than the Mavericks? Uh, I think you can throw this team in the top three offseasons so yes. far. I just They were so think, active. Yeah. I mean, like, all these moves, like, I, you know, in retrospect, I didn't even, like, know that, you know, I, I honestly forgot that they had signed Bryn Forbes and drafted Wendell Moore. Um, you know, they obviously they lost a lot of role players, but they still kept a lot of key role players. And, yeah, um, you know, Jaden McDaniels, I was shocked he wasn't in the Rudy Gobert drill, uh, deal. I mean, just the fact that they – I think they got significantly better, you know, even if they get to some future assets, like, and still be able to get uh, Kyle Anderson and Brent Forbes to sign. Like, like that, that just gives you so much flexibility off the bench. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, I really like what they did. Like, yes, I think that they gave up way too much for Rudy Gobert, but again, like this is a team that just set themselves up for potential to be contenders. And when is the last time we could say the Timberwolves were ever contenders? hundred percent. I completely agree. Next, getting into the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, 
Notably, all they really lost was Isaiah Roby. They obviously uh, added Ujman Jang in the draft. Um, they got Jamichael Green in that weird trade with Denver that, to start off the trade season right before the Christian Wood trade. They drafted Chet. They signed Eugenio Marui, everybody's favorite, and they drafted Jalen Williams out of uh, Santa Clara. And they um, extended Lou Dort. Uh, do you think they had a better offseason than the Mavericks? This this is one where right now I think the Mavericks have had a better offseason. Really? Uh, but it, it depends on how Chet turns out. Like, yeah, I like Chet a lot. Jang and Jalen Williams. I mean, they – I don't know. I feel like this one's really similar to the Rockets uh, standpoint for me. Like, yes, they, like, added a ton of young assets um, in the first round. So, I guess, like, at first glance I would say yes, but it's obviously going to depend on how the picks pan out. Yeah, like, that's my thing. It's, like, it's going to be a future tells. Like, I think the Rockets did a good thing of drafting sure players. Like, I really like the Tari Eason. Yeah, I think Jabari Smith was the safest guy out of the top three. I think he had the highest floor, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I just like what they did. And then the Thunder, I think, took more – a little bit of reachers in a way. Yeah, no, I Uh, So, just in that sense, I think it's going to be kind of like a – Time will tell. Maybe, maybe the first game of the season will prove me wrong. But <laughs> at this point, like th- that's how I view it. Yeah, I, I, I can see that point. All right, now looking at the Phoenix Suns, they obviously lost Javale McGee to the Mavericks. They lost Aaron Holiday. Um, that's really about it in terms of their um, sort of their depth. Um, they added Jock Londale from. The Hawks, that was a real under-the-radar trade, I believe. They signed Jamie, uh, Damian Lee and Josh Kogi, and they re-signed um, DeAndre Aiden after matching his max offer sheet with the Pacers, and they re-signed Bismack Biombo and Devin Booker. Not really a ton of moves for them, just moving around the fringes. They were obviously in some huge trade discussions earlier, or rumors at least. Um, do you think they had a better offseason than the Mavericks? I This is a team that I confidently say no. Um, like yes, I just really don't think they did anything to move the needle. I'm not saying they had a bad off season, but you know, like, I think that this this is the exact same team that's going to give you 60 wins, maybe not that much. Um, but this team is going to be for sure over 50. Uh, it's just the sense of how awkward does that, how awkward does the the um the locker room become after, especially after this ordeal with DeAndre Aiden? Like, how awkward is that? I mean, he was posting uh, on Twitter today how excited he was to re-sign with Phoenix, but you know, but I mean, that's social just, media can always be a yeah odd. So, like, I don't know. I think the Mavericks had a better offseason. I'm still like, I think the Suns are a lot better than the Mavericks, but yeah. I, and I hate saying that because of the playoffs, but you know, after losing uh, Jalen Brunson, yeah, no, I agree. I just don't know if the Suns really did anything like substantial. Like, they didn't have a bad offseason, but like, just like. They didn't do anything really to boost their um, their team whatsoever, in my opinion. And Jay Crowder apparently is rumored to maybe get dumped somewhere if they want to dump money. So, like we said, like none of these things are final, depending on how the rest of the offseason shakes out. But we're just doing this of current. I'd agree. I mean, I'd put them on like the same sort of playing field with the Mavericks because you know with the, all the good things the Mavericks did, they, they lost Jalen Brunson, which is a huge net negative. So I don't know. Maybe the Mavericks have a slightly better offseason. I, I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Um, and here we have the Trailblazers. Um, they waived Eric Bledsoe. 
um, uh, Joe Ingles, um, they lost Joe Ingles, even though he was technically like just on their team as an expiring contract. They added Jeremy Grant, Gary Payton Jr., Shaden Sharp, and um, they re-signed uh, Drew Eubanks, uh, Nurkic, um, and extended Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons. Do you think um, they had a better offseason than the Mavericks? I, I think yeah. I think yeah. that they had a – this is like a team under the radar that had a really good offseason. Yeah. Um, like you look at some of the moves they made and you're like, eh, like – it's not that big of a deal, but this is a team that got a lot better. I think that they're pushing for that playing spot now, and yeah, not necessarily. Yeah. I think or they're maybe even like a, yeah, well, because yeah, the playing spots at the seventh or eighth seed. I think they're playing for the upper playing spots. I'm not. I'm not saying that the Trailblazers are better than the Mavericks because I still feel like they're lacking in a lot of areas. But I mean, adding Gary Payton and Jeremy Grant definitely shows up their defense a lot. I mean, you know, Shaden Sharp's a huge ceiling raiser for that team, depending on how he can come in, and how effective he is day one. Hopefully injuries aren't a problem for him. Yeah, because I did see that thing about him getting injury. So we wish him a speedy recovery. Um, I can't remember exactly what he injured, but it was some shoulder thing. Yeah, here I think I can look at it right here. Yeah. So um, he tore his labral in his sh- left shoulder. Um, I didn't realize it was a full I don't know what exactly that entails, but I didn't realize it was a full tear. But yeah, no, it was, a, it was a tear. But hopefully, he's good for the start of the season. So I guess we'll start to see with that on that front. But I mean, yeah, I, I would agree they had a better offseason than the Mavericks. Now we're looking at the Kings here. Um, I forgot about the Kings. <laughs> they lost Dante DiVincenzo. They lost Damian Jones. Um, a lot of these guys. Our free agents still. I'm actually like looking across this. I'm surprised at how many free agents there are left still. Um, but they added Kevin Herter via trade. They signed Malik Monk and they drafted Keegan Murray. Um, and they re-signed uh, Nemius Keita, I believe. So you say it. Um, do you think that they had a better offseason than the Mavericks? Just alone on the fact that they got DiVincenzo, and I'm they really lost, high. They lost DiVincenzo. Or they, yeah, they lost. No, well, they got they got Kevin Herter. Are they okay? Kevin Herter. I'm sorry, I, I get them mixed up. Um, yeah, so they got Kevin Herter, and well, Keegan Murray, who I think is honestly one of the best picks in the draft, just in the sense of how it works out for the Kings. Uh, I think that they had, like, I don't even. I think that this is like the most similar. Like, this is a team that didn't – I wouldn't call them – like, they didn't have a better offseason than the Mavericks, but they didn't have a worse offseason than the Mavericks. Yeah, I don't know. I would say they actually did have a better offseason than the Mavericks just from the fact that they got Keegan Murray. Um, I don't want to overreact to Summer League, but, I mean, he was a Summer League MVP, and he showed a lot to me. You know, he played, played a few more years in college with some of these guys. He just seems like a guy who's going to be able to step in day one and be, you know, a really effective player, like sort of a 3-and-D wing, but he has – this you know he has sort of a post up and playmaking ability to him as well so i don't know i would say right off the bat they did probably have a slightly better offseason than the mavericks but you know i don't think it's too far-fetched to think that the mavericks were that far off from them yeah next up to the san antonio spurs they obviously went full rebuild mode got a ton of picks back they lost um 
DeJounte Murray, Jacques Wandal, Lonnie Walker, and they added um, Jeremy Sohan in the draft at pick nine, um, Isaiah Roby, um, and Malachi Branham out of Ohio State at pick 20. Um, and then besides, and uh, Blake Wesley at pick yeah. 25. Like, this is a team I think that just. I guess, like you said, like com- took a complete step back. This, in my opinion, is the worst team in the West now. I agree. Uh, now, not to say that they don't have a future, because uh, they got all those draft pick and draft picks and everything with the Dejounte Murray stuff. Um, but yeah, like this is a team I think that yeah is dead last next year. I agree. Just from the as as drastic as a step that they took back, like you know, it has. I would say the Mavericks did have a better off season. You know, anytime like you're rebuilding, you know, you can make the argument, oh, they got all this stuff back and the, all these picks. But at the end of the day, like they're taking a step back rebuilding and that's always a, you know, not a positive spin for your franchise to have to wait, even if it is going to bode well for your future. So, you know, cumulatively, I think the Mavericks did a better offseason than them. And lastly, we're going to be getting into the Utah Jazz. Um, you know, the Donovan Mitchell stuff, he still has yet to go through. <clears throat> But the Mavericks really sent this team into purgatory. Um, yes, sir. First round uh, playoff series. Uh, Rudy Gobert was obviously traded. Um, <clears throat> they waived Bo Cruz. I would love for the Mavericks to sign him <laughs> at 15th roster spot just for the hell of it. Get Lucas Boy over here. Um, they lost Royce O'Neal. They lost Daniel House. Um, and then obviously they brought back Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly. Landry Balmaro, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, and that deal. Interesting to see how those, how many of those guys actually stick around. But do you think the Jazz had a better offseason than the Mavericks? Uh, I don't believe so, just because, like, yeah, they added pieces. But from the looks of it right now, like, these are pieces that are pretty expendable to them. Uh, I think that they're looking to trade away a lot of these pieces. Now, of course, it hasn't happened yet, so I guess we don't know for sure. Yeah, nor has Donovan um, Mitchell got moved yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess in a sense, like, if you really want to look at it, I would say yes, they have. Um, but just from the way that it looks, like how, how it's going to turn out, I would say no. Yeah, no, I completely agree because they're going to you know, be trading a lot of these guys back for ask, you know, just future first and things of that nature. But with that being said, we'll be getting more into like the specifics of what the Mavericks did um, in the offseason and like really just talking about how we view their offseason and what we think about it. This uh, podcast was, you know, more of a comparing offseason um, or offseason to the Mavericks just to see like how the Mavericks stacked up against other teams in the West and just to kind of, you know, give us a, all a quick overview of what the, some other teams in the West did and like who's coming back from injury who's going to be better who's going to be worse things of that nature yeah, we'll yeah obviously do like standings comparisons and stuff um later as we get more into the dog days of the offseason but with that being said do you have any other thoughts for today Jaren? uh i guess this is the first time i can say this on the pod but we have officially entered the dog days of the nba so well you know just as you're saying that kevin durant's going to get traded tomorrow so well um, and Please at least wait two weeks. That way we can run out of content and then have content come back up for that. And then and then we could discuss that. So yes. So with that being said, the outro for today is hashtag content. You guys have a good day.
and you know, I don't know what else to say. So go Mavs.